When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! Welcome everybody to the Lightning Round Podcast. I am at Garrett Sisti, Jamie at Lightning underscore round. And today we are finishing up our preview of the AFC West. We did the Broncos already. We previewed the Raiders. We went through that win-loss prediction of the Chargers. And now... We're here to preview the Kansas City Chiefs. Lots of changes on that team. So we're just going to go ahead and spill right into this and uh, start talking about coaches. Now, we've done uh, coaching changes for the Raiders and the Broncos, which have been a lot of wholesale changes to that staff. This Kansas City staff is pretty much all intact. Yeah, I mean, they have the most stability at all of their coaching positions of anyone in the in the division. Um the staff has been together basically for what a decade now. Um, even even with all their success, it seems like no one's really in a in a hurry to hire any of their their coordinators or assistants to take new roles. You know, they've had some guys like Matt Nagy go uh, take take jobs with Chicago mm-hmm. to with very minimal, if any, success. Um, and now it seems like the core of that coaching staff is really there to stay. Uh, we we keep hearing uh, Eric Bieniemy as a hot candidate. It seems like every every year he gets passed over for somebody else every year. Um, mm-hmm. And there's talk that he's kind of content there, and you know might just wait out for quote unquote the perfect opportunity, whatever that may be. 
Yeah. So they have a lot of stability there. Not, not a lot of turnover in the coaching, not a lot of change. They've had the same schemes on offense and defense and the same special teams coordinator. Uh, basically, it seems like forever now, which yeah. is really unusual in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And our boy, uh, kind of the quiet leader and the glue guy there in Kansas City, Dave Tube, we've talked about multiple times. Yeah, we've we we've talked about him through two coaching cycles. For the <laughs> we have we have longtime special teams coordinator, uh, also serving as the assistant head coach now. And yeah, I mean this is uh, the best coach in the division. I think uh, there's no real argument there. Brandon Staley, Josh McDaniels, Nathaniel Hackett, all still some unknowns in their young coaching careers. And Reed is on the brink of probably a hall of fame career as a head coach. So yeah, uh, same staff intact. Eric B has gone, uh, uh, staying again with, you know, all the potential head coaching interviews he had again for another off season did not get hired. Steve Spagmo, uh, Spagnolo still as DC and, uh, Dave tube as special teams coordinator. So let's, let's just move right into it and talk about offense. Cause there's been some, uh, big changes here. The first one here is at wide receiver, where they traded Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins for a first, second, two-fourths, and a six. Yeah, so this kind of kicked off their offseason, and it's one of those moves that, you know, on paper you talk about getting all those picks, and it seems like a great move, but uh, I think it's the, I think time will tell in terms of what kind of an impact it has on their offense, not just in terms of their ability to move the ball and score points, but how their scheme might have to change to better suit the players that they have that are going to be trying to replace him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with, with Hill gone, Hill was the guy you always had to account for no matter what, uh, he was in motion all the time. He was all over the formation. He was getting the ball in so many different ways, uh, gadget plays, deep ball, you name it. He was getting, you know, hand direct handoffs. He was getting the ball in so many different ways. And now that's gone. Um, <clears throat> and while they still have some speed on the roster, they don't have that one dynamic guy that you have to account for outside or in the slot anymore. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's going to put an awful lot of pressure on Travis Kelsey, who, while he is arguably the best tight end in the league, uh, is getting older and not having that, that ability to consistently take the top off the defense could limit his production and could allow teams to focus on him a lot more than they have, uh, in recent years. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's going to be, and you said time will tell, it's going to be really hard to replace a guy like Tyreek Hill, who, like you said, dynamic playmaker and obviously has world-class speed. He's one of a kind Uh, to replace Hill. They signed uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who we've talked about, we thought would be a nice wide receiver three option for the Chargers in free agency, Uh, an underrated deep threat in my mind. And they also signed Juju Smith-Schuster in free agency. They drafted Sky Moore, a guy we liked in the second round, and they added Justin Ross, who went undrafted because of an injury concerns, but uh, could be a nice addition if he stays healthy. So I think it's going to be very hard for them to replicate their offense. And I think I absolutely agree with you. This whole thing has to change with Patrick Mahomes in this case, the offense Mahomes last year kind of came down to earth a little bit compared to his other worldly uh, pace. He was doing in past years, turn the ball over more than ever before. And I like sky Moore. Uh, he was my wide receiver seven. I checked Jamie. It was your wide receiver six. Uh, I think he's going to be good in this offense, but they don't have that guy that can do what Tyreek can do. McCole Hardman has been inconsistent throughout his uh, career. Valdez Scantling is a deep threat, but hasn't really produced as a wide receiver one in an uh, NFL offense yet. 
Juju has been a possession receiver. I mean, he exploded in 17. He ascended in 18 and then leveled off and plateaued as a wide receiver two and three as a possession receiver every year since. So, you know, we'll see about Sky Moore, who I think will have a big role in this offense. But, you know, outside of Travis Kelsey, this offense looks like it kind of took a step back on paper, at least. Yeah, I think, you know, it's really going to come down to Sky Moore and one, maybe two other guys stepping up to fill the shoes of Tyreek Hill. Um, and obviously, you want to get as much as you can out of as few players as possible to replace that production. You don't want to have to rely on three or four guys to step in. So they're going to need Sky Moore to step up and make plays down the field. I think, you know, Hardman, I'm sure they're going to try moving him around the formation like they did with Tyreek, try to, you know, get him the ball and with manufactured touches and gadget plays, use his speed and elusiveness to create plays. Um, you know, with missed tackles and things like that with his twitch, but it's really an unknown in terms of as much as I like Marquez Vasquez Scanling as a wide receiver, two, three for the chargers as a deep right. and intermediate threat. Mm -hmm. Can he be the guy that carries a torch for Hill? You know, he, I don't think he's ever had more than 45 catches in a season. He's not a guy who has put up huge touchdown totals. He has had some injury problems, which is are some issues that some Chargers fans had with him. And we mentioned him as a possibility for the Chargers. Mm -hmm. So you really don't know what you're going to get from him. Um, and Hardman is the same thing. No, really no idea. There's a lot of question marks in that wide receiver room. You know, Josh Gordon, Hardman, um, mm -hmm. Juju, uh, Valdez, Scantling, all these guys, they've all got the ability to produce in the league. Um, mm -hmm. It seems like the offense is probably going to have to shift towards more of a um, methodical possession type of passing game, more yeah. than, more so than the explosive downfield game they had the last several years with, with Tyreek. Mm -hmm. I just don't see how they can, how they can duplicate that right now, unless more really grabs hold of that wide receiver two wide receiver three slot type position and mm -hmm. and is really producing downfield it's going to be hard for them to replicate that offense so you look at the moves they made you know they they signed um uh ron johnson the former ronald jones ronald jones yep. the former usc running back as their running back two they brought back jarek mckinnon mm -hmm. they still have um the kid from lsu um Edward Hilaire. Edward Hilaire. Yep. They still have Clyde Edwards Hilaire. So it seems like they might lean more on the running backs. All those guys can catch the ball really well. They're all good in space, elusive, twitchy. So all those guys have the ability to make people miss. It seems like they might run the ball a little bit more, be a little bit more of a short and intermediate passing game, more of a physical passing game with Juju Smith-Schuster as the likely wide receiver one, at least the way things look right now. Mm -hmm. um, can they get anything out of Josh Gordon? Can Justin Ross work his way up the roster? You know, just there's not a lot of depth at wide receiver and there's not a lot of surefire production right now. So you would think a lot of that onus is going to be on Kelsey. Yeah. And you would think teams will dare the Chiefs to beat them with Hardman and Scantling and Gordon and more and really focus on taking Kelsey away whenever they can now that they don't have to worry about Hill deep. Yeah. It's going to make it really hard on. Travis Kelsey this coming season. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, they brought back McKinnon, they added Ronald Jones. So they've got uh, three guys now with uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. You know, McKinnon flashed at times as a speed guy, had 
has been injury plagued most of his career. Ronald Jones was a nice addition as a RB two. It makes a ton of sense, but you know they're going to be trying to put a lot of onus on Edwards Hilaire and hope that he bounces back from his struggles in 2021. So this is there's a lot of question marks in this offense so far, and you know I think I liked the addition of Ronald Jones as an RB two there, and it'll be interesting to see how they do it because they just don't have that explosive. Uh, offensive weapon so much anymore uh so it but in terms of the offensive line moving on to there they uh brought back for the last five starting offensive linemen from last year orlando brown is back at left tackle after they franchise tagged him he's going to be looking for a new long-term deal which he's hoping is a five-year over a hundred million dollar deal uh which might make sense but uh, they're obviously negotiating that upcoming contract and then uh the rest of the line is still the same with tooney humphrey trey smith and then the real Question mark and kind of the weak spot is at right tackle. It's going to be a competition between the veterans, Lucas Niang, Andrew Wiley, and then the fifth round pick, Darian Kennard, who is projected more as a guard, but uh, will be in that right tackle uh, competition in camp. So uh, again, uh, much like a lot of the AFC West, uh, a weak side on that right tackle spot. Yeah, they're not all that far from removed from uh, Lucas Niang being what a number a second round pick mm-hmm. and now he's battling with journeyman yeah. um, <laughs> at the right tackle position. So that's not exactly confidence inspiring in terms of how they feel about their right tackle position. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also brought in Garen Christians, Christensen, Christian, uh, the kid from Louisville who we kind of liked as a, as a potential mid round project a couple years ago when he came out. Yeah. Garen um, Christensen. Yeah. He'll mm-hmm. probably wind up being, um, you know, their, their swing tackle or their backup left tackle, but you figure he's probably going to get a chance to compete at right tackle a little bit too. So kind of a revolving door at right tackle, but the rest the, those other four spots are all pretty solid. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to defense and uh, much like offense, there was a, a big loss here too. They lost Tyron Matthew who went to the saints and they replaced him with a former Texan strong safety, Justin Reed. Yeah, their defense underwent a lot of changes. They lost uh, a healthy chunk of their starting and backup secondary. They lost, you mentioned that they lost the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. They also lost Mm -hmm. Trevarius Ward uh, to the 49ers on a three or $40 million deal. They lost Mike Hughes, I believe, to Mm -hmm. the Dolphins? Lions. Lions, yep. Lions, yeah. Um, And they really went about trying to rebuild their entire secondary through free agency and through the draft. So they brought in Justin Reed to replace Matthew. I think there's going to be a big drop off there. Uh, Reed was really good coming out of college and a couple good years early in his career. He's fallen off the last couple of years. He's had some injury issues. Mm-hmm. He's just isn't around the ball uh, as much as Matthew normally is. And he's not really a turnover machine the way that, that uh, Tyra Matthew is. So, uh, kind of a drop off there. They lose some flexibility. They lose some versatility. They lose that guy who can play both safety spots. He can play corner. He can play slot. He can play that nickel linebacker role. Um, kind of loot. That's a big loss for them. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think Reed is really in a position to be able to fill that for them. Um, I think he's more of a too high safety guy, maybe play a little bit of box, but I don't think he's got that, the range and the playmaking ability that, that Matthew had. Um, and then you look at, um, you know, some of the other guys they brought in in the draft, they they drafted Trent McDuffie, Brian Cook, Joshua Williams. They really went about trying to rebuild the entire secondary. Um, yeah. They let Daniel Sorensen also walk to the Saints. So mm-hmm. um, replaced, you know, 
two of the three safeties that are on the field the majority of the time in their in their sub packages. Um, tried to get a little younger, tried to get a little faster. I think they lost some playmaking ability though in the secondary. So I think that's going to be a challenge for them figuring out where some of these pieces fit. Mm-hmm. Some of the pieces seem a little bit redundant in some ways. Um, so I think you know it might be a little bit of a a little bit of a challenge figuring out where some of those guys fit at least early on until they get familiar with the scheme. Yeah, they went about it, like you mentioned earlier, trying to replace one guy with a bunch of other guys. They signed a bunch of DBs, and they drafted a bunch of DBs. Uh, Justin Reed, I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. He was hot to start his career. He's kind of tapered off, kind of a solid to average uh, safety. But Matthew was the not only the captain of that KC defense, but he was the vital cog that really made that whole defense click. And the fact that uh, you're taking a guy who could play multiple positions and replacing him with a, a bunch of young guys is it's going to be a steep learning curve, I think, to begin this year. You know, he's a, a vital cog to that defense, just like Derwin is for the Chargers. And uh, like Tyreek Hill, Matthew's going to be a hard player to replace even at this stage of Matthew's career. So uh, with Justin Reed, they've got uh, Juan Thornhill as the two safety options, and they signed veteran Dion Bush formerly the Bears. They drafted Brian Cook, uh, one of my sleepers in a very bad safety class. Uh, <laughs> they picked him in, a, in the fifth round, plays really quick, but has very little instincts. It's kind of a low-risk, potential high-reward pick there with Cook. But at corner, yeah, you mentioned it. They they drafted a lot of guys. They acquired Lonnie Johnson from the Texans, who is coming off his worst season of his career. But that whole Texans team stunk. So I, I don't know if we can say he's totally washed, but um, definitely on the decline. And he did have more turnovers last year than he's had his whole career. He had three last year, which is three more than he's had every year previous. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then they selected Trent McDuffie with their first round pick, twenty first overall. You mentioned uh, the small school kid Joshua Williams. They got in the fourth. They also got Jalen Watts uh, Watson in the seventh. So I, a lot of people loved McDuffie. Uh, but even during our draft shows, I kind of had my reservations a little bit. He's an incredible athlete. I thought he's one of the best tackling corners of this class, but uh, he's got real problems with his lack of size and length. He won with athleticism, and we I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that in the NFL with bigger receivers because he did struggle with some of the bigger receivers in college. So I think they might have to eventually kick McDuffie inside, but he's there. CB1, they lost uh, Ward, like you mentioned. They lost Hughes. Now it's um, McDuffie, Rashad Fenton, Legereus Sneed, Lonnie Johnson, DeAndre Baker, and then a bunch of young rookies. So I think Ward is a pretty big loss that uh, not a lot of people are talking about. Uh, I was not high on McDuffie. Apparently, neither were the Chargers because they had a second-round grade on him like I did. Um, And then, you know, even if McDuffie hits, all those guys behind McDuffie are all questionable. So this DB group, uh, very up in the air. Yeah, I think Snead's probably their quarterback one going, cornerback one going into the season just because mm-hmm. he's their most experienced guy. Yeah. But they obviously have high hopes for McDuffie as a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not terribly high on McDuffie either. Um, I know he he was really highly regarded coming out of college. I just didn't see much that made me – I didn't – he didn't do much for me. I didn't yeah. see much on tape that that got me overly excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, good athlete, the, yeah. some decent ball skills, but definitely really small. Um, 
And that that lack of length is going to be an issue. I think you're, he's going to get big boyed against some of those larger receivers in the NFL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's coming for sure. Um, and then you talk about Brian Cook. To me, Brian Cook is a one for one replacement for Daniel Sorensen. Um, not great in coverage. Not <laughs> uh-huh. great in terms of instincts. Uh-huh. Pretty good tackler. Mm-hmm. Kind of that nickel linebacker box safety role playing closer to the line of scrimmage, just kind of gobbling up tackles, but not really making a lot of plays. That's kind of how I view Brian Cook coming out. And yeah. it seems like that's how the Chiefs looked at him because it seems like that's how he he's going to step right in and replace Sorensen in those in those nickel packages. Um, man, I, I got to commend you, man. That is a good comp. Not that you're comparing the players, but it is a one-for-one replacement because Sorensen was a – he'll make a play or two here, but he's going to be a major headache, and that's what Brian Cook is. So I, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, I think that's like you can you can line those two up right oh, there, easy. and it's yeah. it's a perfect it's a perfect fit in terms of what they lost and what they're trying to replace him with, with maybe a um a slightly higher end athlete with some more mm-hmm. upside. Sure, uh, over yeah. Sorensen, who was just kind of dirty and a stiff, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> um <clears throat> and then they also got Jalen Watson uh, from Washington State. Yeah, who's another kind of. Larger corner, not overly twitchy or explosive, um, but played well on a pass-happy Pac-12 um, and probably should provide pretty good depth. But I think their secondary is going to have some issues early on, uh, particularly if they don't get much production out of their interior defensive line and teams can kind of double and chip on the outside against Carl Aftis and Clark. Um, I think their secondary could be in for some some problems here. Um, especially early in the season as they get adjusted. Yeah. And so, and uh, speaking of interior defensive line, uh, you know, just watch looking at this roster, you're always thinking they're got those big boys up front and they've still got Chris Jones. Uh, they brought back Derek naughty for another year, but other than that, they didn't add a ton to the interior of the defensive line, uh, especially this defensive tackle group in free agency or the draft. They just added a Taylor Stallworth, whatever that is. And so <laughs> just, uh, just kind of a, a kind of an empty group here too on the interior. Yeah, I was a little surprised. You would have thought they would have done more with that group. I guess yeah. they figure they can get by with with Chris Jones, um, but Naughty has been kind of on a little bit of a decline the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then they've got a bunch of dudes. Cortez Broughton being one of them, actually. Cortez Broughton, and they're <laughs> undersized too. They're they're a pretty small group. A lot of guys playing inside it. 275, 280, 285, not a whole lot of beef inside, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is kind of the way the league is going, trying to get after the quarterback. But you'd think they'll have some issues uh, holding up against the run uh, yeah. against certain teams. Yeah, it's, it's, in, and Kalen Saunders is the other, uh, other guy inside, but very undersized. Uh, I mean, Chris Jones is Chris Jones. I mean, he's one of the best, but outside of him, there's just a lot of just undersized guys. Yep. It was interesting. I thought that was going to be a position they were definitely going to go after. Yeah. Just not a lot of depth. Um, not a lot of potential for production coming with rotations or anything like that. Yeah. Once, once Naughty and Jones are off the field, I think it's going to be tough sledding for those guys inside. Definitely. All right. So then on the edge, uh, they added George Karloftis, uh, in the, in the first round. Yeah, uh, you were a little higher on Carl Aftis than I was coming out. I liked him. I think he's going to be a good player. I think he probably landed in the best possible scheme for his skill set. Uh, I saw him as more of a, a 4-3 defensive end, like a 7-9 technique, uh, mm-hmm. who can kick inside and play a little bit of 3 technique when needed. Um, 
did not like him so much as a stand-up edge, didn't like him so much as a five technique. I think uh, teams will run at him early on to make sure he can hold up against the run because that's something he struggled with uh, in the Big 12 for sure, uh, or Big 10, excuse me, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and, you know, he's going to have to get by on his pass rush. But, again, not a lot on the edge there, so he's going to be on the field a lot. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to give him every chance to succeed, and I think he will probably wind up being a productive pass rusher. The question is, can he hold up on first and second down against the run? Yeah, it's going to be all volume for Karloftis. Yeah, I I loved him coming out. I think he was my edge three or four. I think three. Uh, I liked him a lot. I, I especially love his hands. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of Karloftis early on because they're kind of in a pickle. They've got Frank Clark, who the Chiefs have been shopping since March. And it's been reported that if Clark is either going to be released, traded, or take a pay cut, which Clark has already said he doesn't want to do, before week one. So this could be the end of the road for Frank Clark. And, I mean, after that, it's Bear. It's Mike Dana, uh, Joshua Kando, Malik Herring. I mean, this AFC West got stacked on the edge, and the Chiefs are going in the exact opposite direction on the edge. Because even if you're – and this is another group I thought they would – at least uh, get another edge in the draft after Karloftis, maybe a veteran edge in this free agent class. Because right now, even with Frank Clark, this isn't a very good group. Frank Clark is on the decline, very serious decline. And you add a young guy like Karloftis, who's got his question marks, I think could develop into a nice edge later on. But I think year one, it's going to be a lot of issues with this group. Uh, Much like we talked about with DBs and the interior of this defensive line, there's going to be some issues with this edge group too. Yeah, there's no depth. If one guy gets hurt, they're in big trouble uh-huh. uh, up front and in the secondary. But uh, one group I do like is this linebacker group. Uh, I was kind of surprised how much I did end up liking them on paper. They've got the uh, Mizzou linebacker that they drafted last year in the second round, Nick Bolton, who really flashed in spurts last season. They've already talked about putting a lot more on his plate this season, hopefully hoping that they he makes that big jump in the second year. They've got uh, William Willie Gay Jr. at Sam. They re-signed Jermaine Carter, who had a really good year last season. And then in the third, they drafted Leo Chanel, who was a really strong tackler, uh, has good play strength, fluid in coverage. Uh, the instincts kind of wane, but as an early down run stuffer, fill in as a blitzer on third downs, I think... Chanel could succeed early in this Chiefs defense. This is a very young, athletic group of linebackers and could be one of their strongest position groups on defense by the end of the year if it all clicks because they've got a lot of potential in this group. Yeah, Gay is a guy who flashed a lot coming out of college and has had some Mm -hmm. flashes in the NFL early on. Mm -hmm. He's had some issues staying on the field, uh, but it's been pretty productive when he's been on the field. He's that, you know, uber-athletic kind of undersized uh, uh, weak side linebacker. Um, mm. that everybody's going after these days. Uh, Bolton, the strong side linebacker, um, big, physical, pretty good in coverage, uh, really good against the run, comes downhill, sets a good edge. Yeah. Uh, and you got to think Chanel as a third or fourth round pick, he's probably mm. going to have the inside track at that middle linebacker job, at least on the on first and second down. Yep. Um, so good group. They can all run. They can all tackle. There's some coverage ability there. They probably have the best all-around linebacking group in the conference in terms uh, of age, athleticism, playmaking ability. Uh, if the line holds up in front of them, they will probably have a really good year. 
I was going to add that. This is my favorite linebacker group in the AFC West. Um, that it seems like every other team's this is their weak spot. This could be the Chiefs' strong spot. So, all right. So let's let's talk about record here. Um, we've talked about where we think the Chief, the uh, Broncos, the Raiders. We've already done a Chargers. Since this is our last team in the AFC West, how do you see the AFC breaking down between these four teams from first, second, third, and fourth? Where do you think these teams finish? I don't need like a a number in terms of wins, but just who's finishing first, second, third, and fourth, and maybe you know if one or two make the playoffs. I think two teams from the AFC West make the playoffs uh, right now. I've got the the Chiefs and the Chargers both making the playoffs. Um, okay. I think just based on all the success they've had and the stability on the coaching staff and who they have calling signals and pulling the trigger at quarterback, uh, even with Tyreek Hill not being there and the inevitable changes to the scheme and, you know, changes in how, just how they have to approach putting points on the board. I think until somebody unseats them, it's kind of foolish to not have the chiefs winning the, the division. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not going to be a popular opinion with a lot of chargers fans. When they hear this, <laughs> but I just think they've been so good for so long. Um, and they're still so productive in so many key spots that they're going to find a way to win probably 12 or 13 games mm-hmm. and win the division. Yeah. So I have the chiefs. I mm-hmm. got the chiefs at one. I got the chargers okay. at two. I have the Broncos at three and the Raiders at four. Oh, all right. So a big fall off for the Raiders here. Yeah. Ever since Andy Reed has taken over at head coach for the chiefs, in 2013, they've had double-digit win seasons eight of those nine years. They've made the playoffs every year but that one where they didn't win over 10 games. And even if the roster looks worse on paper, Andy Reid's going to turn this into an 11-13 to 13 win season. That's just what he does. So I think the Chiefs win the division again. I am I think they win 12 games. So 12-5. and five. I had the Chargers at 11-6. and six. So Chiefs first, Chargers second. We agree there. But I've got the other flip-flop. I've got the Raiders at three and the Broncos as the last team in this AFC West division. And that does it for our recap of the AFC West. All right, training camp's coming up. We're going to get into all that stuff very soon. So thank you, everybody, for listening. I am at Garrett Sisti on Twitter. Jamie? At lightning underscore round. We will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.